but what I would really like from you, if it's all right, is I really love you to um, to give me three lessons through your eyes. Now you're reflecting on your life because his perspective on life had completely changed when he had a time limit put on it. Um, things that used to bother him didn't bother him any, any longer. And he was like, all right, okay, I'll think about those, but it would have been, it's a lot easier for me to give you the money. What's up, everybody? This is Paul Critchley, president of New England Lean Consulting. Welcome to another episode of the New England Lean Podcast. So lots and lots of good stuff going on over here, uh, certainly the least of which is not Easter. Uh, you know, we happen to celebrate that holiday, so if you do as well, I hope you got some good time in with friends and family in, in celebration of the holiday. Um, uh, second big in big news, I guess, is uh, we have a brand new website. Uh, so if you would, I would love it if you could go check it out. It's uh, newenglandlean.com. It's basically a complete revamp from our old website, which I think was uh, is a good thing. Um, but yeah, we finally have a podcast page. Uh, we finally have, uh, we highlight the lean certification that we offer. Finally, we've been working on that in the background for a while. Um, we have online training, so we have 55 online courses, so we finally have that kind of front and center, as well as uh, Six Sigma, the quality management systems training and consulting that we do. Um, so the site's really looking awesome. Uh, it works great. We've been beta testing it you know, for the last week or so just to make sure everything works. So I would love to hear your feedback. So please go check that out. Uh, you know, shoot me a note, email, link, you know, uh, LinkedIn inbox me and just let me know what you think. Uh, and finally, as you no doubt heard in the lead in, we welcome our first international guest to the podcast this week in Lee Houghton. So Lee and I've kind of known each other for a few years, although we've never met in person. Uh, thanks, COVID. Uh, but we have something like 400 uh, LinkedIn connections in common. So we certainly run in the same social circle, uh, at least electronically. Um, but, you know, so we've interacted a little bit on each other's posts. So I sort of knew what Lee was all about. And and he puts out some things that I really was impressed by. Um, so we kind of hooked up uh, to get him on the show. And I was so glad that he did, because as we were planning this show out, uh, Lee shared uh, what he wanted to talk about with me, and it's really very powerful. Um, and so the story he walks us through are the three lessons that he learned from his best friend that he grew up with, whose name was Chris. Unfortunately, Chris uh, passed away from cancer, but before he did, Lee asked him, what are three lessons that you can teach me? And he did. And uh, as I mentioned, you know, Lee walks us through those in this episode. But, you know, I think we can all relate to that story in some way, shape, or form. You know, one of the things I really love about doing this show is I get to welcome guests on that give me, and I hope you, some perspective. You know, I talk a lot about respect for people and making connections and finding common ground and approaching people from where they are. Um, and I really feel feel like Lee's story nails it when it comes to giving us all some perspective. And I'm guilty of this. You know, sometimes we get so wrapped up in the day-to-day -day stuff that I think sometimes we lose, you know, we lose the, the forest for the trees. So um, it's a very powerful episode. I cannot thank Lee enough for agreeing to come on and share Chris's story with us. So give it a listen. And as always, I hope you like it. I hope you get something from it. Thanks a lot, everybody. I appreciate you. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you real soon. All right, welcome to the New England Lean Podcast. As I mentioned in the intro, we welcome our first international guest, Lee Houghton. Lee. How are you, Paul? How good. Are you, I'd Paul? say good morning, but it's not morning where you are. It's not no. It's just it's just uh, just gone past uh, just gone past midday. So it's just we're just into the afternoon now. Yeah. So not and and thank you for adding the additional pressure of being the first international guest in this conversation as well. Well, I'm a, nothing if not high pressure, Lee. I yeah. mean, you gotta <laughs> man, you gotta bring your A game today or else. Yeah. If, if I wasn't sweating before, Paul, I am now. <laughs> 
So, um, so, you know, our, our listenership is primarily in the States, obviously. Um, and regionally, I try to keep it, you know, to kind of New England, but obviously, you know, by the same token, lean is everywhere. So you're in the UK. So uh, not everybody knows everybody. So if you wouldn't mind, take a couple of minutes and just kind of introduce yourself, um, let people know who you are and kind of what you do. That'd be awesome. Perfect. No, thanks very much, Paul. So yeah, so my name is Lee Horton. I guess I guess I could say I'm from old England um, as opposed to as opposed to New England. So yeah, I live in live in England. Um, I'm in the northwest of uh, of England, in between Manchester and uh, and Liverpool. And for the last um, 15, 16 years, I have been um, working with individuals, teams, and businesses to try to help them get better. Um, both as an internal change person and then more um, in the last th two, three years as an external change person. And that's when I, I created or co-founded a business with my business partner called Jason called Get Knowledge because it's we, we believe fundamentally that improvement all starts with getting knowledge because uh, your thinking has to change. And I think it was Socrates that said, I cannot teach anybody anything. I can only make them think. And that's what we try to do. And I think if you can make people think, then it's up to them about whether they, they choose a different direction or they want to do something different. So yeah, so 15 years um, as a change practitioner, um, internally and externally, and it's far easier being an external um, change person than it was being an internal change person. Um, so yeah, so that's me. So thank you so much for this opportunity, Paul. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to have you, and I'm so glad that you reached out because I think I put the I put the call out on LinkedIn a, a while ago now, and I think you had e emailed me. So uh, I'm very thankful that you did so because again, uh, before we hopped on, we were chatting. Um, so we we trade you know uh, knowledge or whatever right on LinkedIn, and I've seen your stuff, and I really I really liked it. So I was kind of excited actually. When I'm like, oh, I should have thought of reaching out to you in the in the first place to see if you wanted to come on. Yeah, no, amazing. No, honestly, I'm, I'm glad we've managed to get this started. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I try to do things a little bit different on uh, on LinkedIn than, than a lot of people. I think what, what is really difficult is is trying to stand out. Everybody talks about improvement uh, and change, um, but but really, how do you get people to? And, and everybody thinks that they improve what they do, but I'm not necessarily that they see the improvement like come through to the bottom line. So people see a lot of a lot of improvement, but not a lot of things change. Um, and I think that happens on social media. It's also, yeah, I'm trying to stand out um, on that front as well. So, yeah, so it's good. Good. Yeah. And that's one of the knocks I'll tell you is, um, you know, I have, I've had a few clients and a couple of listeners, as a matter of fact, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, reach out and say, you know, we, cause they follow me or they we're connected on LinkedIn and they said, you know, it's so hard. Like I'm thinking of this one particular client. He says, you know, it, it's just so hard because we're just learning about lean and they're a small job shop. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I'm trying to learn these things to try to help drive it. And, you know, obviously, you know, he's looking at me, he's like, well, that's why, you know, you're here. He goes, but you know, one of the things is you see it on LinkedIn or, or Twitter or whatever. And it's just, it's all the, it's all the perfect stuff. And it just look, you know, you see this daily huddle board and it's, you know, perfect KPIs and, and, you know, the idea boards and all this stuff. And he's like, it's really quite intimidating. He goes, yeah. because I, when I, I look at that and I think, I don't see how to get there. So my advice is always, well, for one, you can only believe maybe half of that. I call it leading the Instagram life. Yep. Because, you know, that's the stuff that people promote and they put out there, but you're not seeing, you know, that's the top 10% of the iceberg. You're not seeing all the other stuff where they tripped and fell and failed a thousand times. And I say, you know, honestly, if you look to the left or the right by 10 degrees, you're going to see something totally different. Even that might be, you know, looking really good. That's not to say that's everywhere. So, cause it, it really is a journey, even though I kind of hate that it's kind of a cliche, the whole lean journey thing, but it really, it's true. Um, but that's why I can appreciate again, the stuff that you put out there because it doesn't, to me, it doesn't come off that way. It doesn't come off as here's the, you know, 99th percentile of, of what you should be doing or what this, you know, is it's more of the, the middle part where I think a lot of people are where it's the struggle it's the journey. It's the, you know, we're trying and we made a little bit of progress and we're going to celebrate that. Yes, completely, completely agree. I, I, I love that, that. It's a Facebook or Instagram effect because um, 
completely agree with that. Everybody only puts and shows what they want, how they they want their life to be perceived, or how they want their business to be perceived, or how they want their change journey to uh, to to be perceived. And, and I think it is blooming difficult delivering change. We're dealing with people ultimately, and there's no bigger variability or than than people, and and that's that's the biggest thing. And, and a lot of um, a lot of times when we deliver change, we don't take that into account. We deliver the the business compelling reason for that change. But why does that person need to come in tomorrow to do something different? Why do we not talk and understand understand that? And and when the when the pandemic hit um, 12, 12 months ago um, this coming weekend, the, uh, the the UK went into lockdown, and I was I was sat there reflecting about my my fifteen years in change going. Okay, now clients don't want me to, uh, or I'm not allowed to go and go and see any clients. Not allowed to go and work with any clients. So me and me and Jason, we spoke about how can we can still support our clients. So we said, well, we need to learn how to try to deliver and facilitate improvement online, which we've done and, and we've done really successfully. And that's now a, a new product. But when I was sat there, I was thinking, change has been the best job in the world and also the worst job in the world. I've been so lonely at times, being that single person trying to push that boulder uphill, trying to get people to buy into it that don't want to buy into it, that 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 actually that are terrorists towards it in 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 some certain degree in terms of delivering change. How can I help the people that actually want to make things better? Um, and so I, I, I pulled together this course called Creating Confident Change Leaders, and it's about five modules. And when I was pulling it together and the structure, I was thinking about my 15 years and, and the journey that I'd been on personally. And module one is change starts with you. And there's a reason why change starts with you, because I think we have got to be flexible in our approach. What we've done in one business or one team or with one person isn't going to work necessarily with another team and because they've got different thinking that's taken them to that place. So I think the first um, the first thing for any change person, for any leader to recognize is that actually, if they want somebody else to do something different, they might have to do something different themselves. Um, so yeah, it's been, um, it's been a strange old last 12 months, but I think it's, it's quite been quite a reflective um, 12 months as well about what is really important in, in change, Paul. Right, right. One of the things I like to say is that people don't resist change, they resist being changed. And it gets to what you mentioned. And I like the way you put it, because I hadn't thought about it that way. Why? Why do I care? If I go in and I'm punching the clock, what, you know, and, and I find that we do that as an external consultant. You know, I don't go talk to somebody on the shop floor who's running a lathe or a mill or a nurse or a doctor that says, well, if you do these things, then the business gets better. The hospital can do better because, you know, some people that'll speak to, but some people that won't. But if I can say, you know, your life gets a lot better, it's a lot easier to manage. You're going to be less stressed, all that kind of stuff. Well, that's their compelling case for change. But yes. I, I really like the way you put it because, you know, you and I walk into a place and the first inclination is, who the heck is this guy? Like, you're going to come tell me how to do my job. Have you ever done my job? And I get that question. And a lot of them yeah. think, no, I haven't. But yeah. you got to find, right, you got to find that common ground. And sometimes you're right. It does feel like you're pushing a boulder uphill. Yeah, com- completely. Just just on that, I was working with a with a client recently on. Um, they've got a team that's uh, that's that's quite resistant to change, and and I said, well, we need to we need to consider five whys. And he went like, five whys. We all know five whys. Why why why? Let's let's be a child. And I was like, no no no. I've got a different take on this five why thing. I says, there's when we when we're doing it, there's a reason why we need to change for a business. So that's the first why. Why does the business need to change? And then why does this? Why do the senior leaders? Need to change, or why is this important? Uh, why, why is this important to the senior leaders? Then why is it important to the team leaders and people leaders? And then why is it important to the to the operators? And then why is it important to the change team? And I said, when you understand those five separate whys, you can change your messaging and communication depending upon who you're talking to, because you can't use the business reason for the operators because about profitability and stuff. Why why are they interested in in that? You can't use the, the senior leaders, why, for the change team, because they, they've got competing priorities. So I think that's that's one that one way is, is I try to just be, be flexible with the, with, the, with the tools that people are familiar with and then just kind of shift it a little bit to try to get them to, to solve a problem that's in front of them. So yeah, so that's, that's the five whys um, for that, because I think 
it's so so important. What you've just said there about um, about about people come up to you and ask you um, uh, as an outsider coming in, um, wh why can you help them? I remember when I was 26, um, I got my first job in change and, and I went into the pub that night to celebrate with my friends and my best mate at the time, a guy, guy called Chris, he, um, he said to me, he said, oh, you're one of them, are you? I said, what do you mean one of them? He said, uh, he said one of them that go into people's work where they are, tell them how to do their job better. He says, if you come into where I work and tell me how to do my job better, I would tell you to uh, to go away. And and I didn't realise how how important that sentence was that he said to me all of those years ago. I just thought we were having a laugh. Um, but then reflecting back on it, I've been trying to, if my best mate wouldn't trust me to deliver change with him, then what chance is anybody else that hasn't even met me and I'm walking in for the first time? And I think that's why it's so important to 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 build with build with. In fact, actually, um, I'm just going to waffle for a little bit longer, if that's all right. I, I went on a <laughs> I went on a stand up comedy course last year, and and it was day, day one of this stand up comedy course. And um, and they said to me, they said, "What's the most important thing in change?" Oh, well, sorry, what's the most important thing in in stand up comedy? And uh, everybody said jokes were the most important thing in stand up comedy. They went, no, 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 that's not. That's third most important thing in stand up comedy. And so then the conversation um, developed further and they said that the, the most important thing in stand-up comedy is connection, connection with the audience. Because if you've got that connection, it's like the, the children's nativity play um, at, at, at Christmas. It is the worst performance that, that people, that parents have ever seen. People forget dodgy outfits, you forget the words, terrible singing, but at the end of it, there's rapturous applause, tears um, are flowing, but it, but to, for anybody else, that was the worst performance ever. But to a parent whose child is on stage, that is the best performance ever. So if you can get a connection with the audience, then you can then you can talk to them. And then the second um, uh, lesson, so it was a connection first, then it was performance is second. So they said, when when you're telling jokes, it's um, you've got two lines. You've got um, setup and you've got punchline. And you need to vary your your um, attitude or your tone between setup and punchline to make it easier for the audience to know when when to laugh and then third is the material and and typically change people we 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 uh we believe in our material so much that we lead with it mm -hmm. um and where I, I guess what i'm trying to get people to understand and to see is that actually like those five whys it's leading with connection leading with the things that are important to them then vary your performance um dependent upon who it is you're talking to and then the material is just the material that's how we're going to get from here to here mm -hmm. um so yeah, so, so apologies for the digression there, Paul. No, no, you, Lee, absolutely not. You don't have to apologize because that's a great, I love that because you're absolutely right. You know, we see, and I'm sure you do too, uh, these online arguments sometimes about, well, what respect for people really means and all this other stuff. And it's like, well, what you just said is exactly what it means. If we walk in, whether we're in an internal or an external, you know, change agent, if we walk into a cell or an area or a department, and we all of a sudden, well, you guys need to do this or this, you know, this, that, or the other thing. We don't have that personal relationship yet. So yeah. then it gets, I think that invites that resistance first. But if we walk in and we say, hey, my name's Lee, my name is Paul. I, we do this and, and we're, you know, just, just be a person, right? And just be open and friendly. When you build that trust, then you can bring in all this other stuff. And I find that it's, it's way easier, like, uh, you know, it's way easier to get the investment and the buy-in from folks because they're like, all right, well, I know him. He, he, I know he knows what he's talking about. I've seen what he's done. I, I like the guy. So, right. And you get, you kind of get over that like resistance hump, if you want to put it that way. Right. Yeah, completely, completely. I remember my very first um, uh, role as, a, as an external management consultant working for, for a consultancy firm. We, we turned up to a client site. We were all suited um, and, and so we walked into the site and, and then nobody nobody in the site, the, the, it was an office, um, nobody was wearing shirts and ties and stuff. It was quite casual. And then they just saw these three people in fully suited. And I, I got to the end of that and I was like, that is all wrong. That's all. So when I when I got to the end, I got to the end of, the, of walking through the office and got to an office at the end. I was thinking, what on earth are there? Is everybody outside going to be thinking about these three people that are all wearing black suits with ties 
not dressed like us, not being introduced to any of us, got the senior manager walking them through silence. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like thinking, I've now got to try to engage these people in in a change. What are their first impressions of me? And I was like, oh no, this is this is all wrong. This is all wrong. And and this is one of the reasons why myself and Jason, um, we set up a, a our um, consultancy or coaching business because it's all about we're, we're all people, aren't we? It's human led. And and it's if we can just build stronger relationships with people, then we can help people see and think differently. Um, but yeah, so that that was a big learning moment. That was when I got to the end of that that floor. Yeah, I made I made that mistake too, right? Because you want to convey professionalism and the whole thing, and then sometimes you're like, uh, I stick out like a sore thumb, and it actually hurts you later. Because yeah. people are like, oh, and I've had this comment before, so I'm not making any right uh, qualms about anything, but I've had that happen. And then we went in later and it, I, like we got over it as they got to know me. But initially someone's like, oh, I remember you were part of that God squad that walked through. And yes. I'm like, that right there was the moment when I real I had the same realization as you. I'm like, uh oh, I can't I can't do that anymore. You know, that's just like you said, it's just it's just not right. You know, you're walking through with three or four other people and you're just, you know, walking through the shop and everybody's working and they see you and they have no idea yeah. who you are. And you just you're with the senior managers. So you must be right of relative yeah. importance. It, it just it sets a weird tone that's, you know, probably yeah. maybe not where you want to come out from. Right. No, right no, no. It, it, it stacks it. It stacks it all against you right from right from the off. Um, yeah, if you, especially if you're building connection and that's not the right way to, to build connection. It's like if you go to a bar to meet meet somebody uh, for the very first time, you wouldn't do that with them. You, you wouldn't, would you? So it's kind of, it's like, what have you got to do to, to actually get to know people? We're all people, we're all humans doing, trying to do a job and not many people go to work to try to do a, ba- a, a bad job. Mm. Um, so it's, it's just how can you help each other? And, and I don't think that's one way to help people. Nope. I'd have to agree with that one. Right. So Lee, you and I had chatted a little bit too, when we were kind of trying to get this thing going, which admittedly has been a while. So again, I'll, <laughs> I'll say thank you publicly for being patient with, uh, with me while we try to get it on the calendar. Um, but you had mentioned something like uh, lessons that you've yes. kind of learned that, that have a pretty um, important story behind it. So I wanted just to kind of open it up. So throw it over to you so you can kind of walk us all through that. Amazing! No, no, thank you, thank you, Paul. When when you you don't need to apologise actually for for that because I, I thought actually, do you know, um, you might have read a book. Do you know, like if you read them dating books and they tell you to to not reply too quickly or to um to, to keep them waiting a little bit longer. You've you've made that you've built the excitement that much. I can't, I couldn't wait to come on and talk to you today. So it it worked, Paul. It worked. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was the whole plan the whole time, Lee. <laughs> there you go. No, honestly, it worked. It worked an absolute treat. Um, so yeah. So so thank thank you for this opportunity. And and I guess when when I want to talk about these, uh, I'll just ask you a question. Actually, do you have a a friend that that you might not have seen for a week or you might not have seen for a month, but when you get back together, it's like you haven't been apart. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Every time I ask that question, every, everybody, everybody doesn't. And, and mine is a guy called Chris, the guy who I've, I referred to right at the start when he said, if you come in and get a job and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That, that guy. And uh, so me and Chris, we've, uh, we, we, um, we moved into the same street when we were one year old, we grew up together. We went to different schools um, and our mums were best friends and stuff. So he, he, he'd grown up with me throughout and I was working on a client site about two and a half years ago and I got a phone call to say that I needed to I needed to come home because Chris had taken a turn for the worst um so I got on a train and then I got to, to my train station got out got in a taxi got in a taxi that took me to the hospice where he was and I walked I walked through the door and it, his sister was in the room his um one of our other friends was in the room and his ex-partner was in the room and, and Chris was lying on the bed and he was um he was a lot weaker and a lot paler than he was just a few days previous when I'd seen him. 
so I, t- I sent everybody else away. I said I would do the night shift with him within that night. So he, because he had, so he had, um, he had stage four cancer. It was, this was his third bite of cancer. Now. Um, so I lay on the couch, um, dabbing his lips during the night and chatting about about good times and, and things that we'd done. And at 10 to 8 in the morning, because my breakfast was due at 8 o'clock, I got up and I said, right, Chris, I'll be back in a minute. I'm just going to go into the bathroom. I'm going to have a wash and, and brush my teeth. And then I left the bathroom and I looked over at him and his chest expanded. And then, and then that was it. He chose in that moment to, uh, to, to, to leave us. So I made a few phone calls and told everybody that, uh, that the time had come and that, that Chris had sadly passed. And I went outside the hospice and it was July and I sat on a bench and that the sun was beating down on me. And I was thinking to myself, I'm a fraud because I'm not doing what I wanted to do. Um, I, I was 39 at the time. Chris was 30. Uh, I was 38 at the time. Chris was 39 when he passed. I tell my kids every single morning that they can be whatever they want to be when they grow up. And, and I wasn't being whatever I wanted to be. I was working as a consultant, but in a consultancy, not my own business. Mm. Um, and, and then I got to think about reflecting on, on the life lessons that Chris shared with me, because when he was told he was terminal, I was the first person to see him, um, after after the nurse had told him and he was like i'm going to come into some money i'm going to extract my pension and set up the trust fund for his two boys he said, and he went you've always wanted to be a consultant he said um he said let me give you a three thousand pound and let me let me set you up i was like no chris i don't want any of your money at all i said um i said but what i would really like from you if it's all right is i really love you to um to give me three lessons through your eyes. Now you're reflecting on your life because his perspective on life had completely changed when he had a time limit put on it. Um, things that used to bother him didn't bother him any, any longer. And he was like, all right, okay, I'll think about those, but it would have been, it's a lot easier for me to give you the money. Um, anyway, so so <laughs> over a couple of weeks passed and then I got to the hospital and it, um, he went, right, I've had, a, I've had a think and I've got my first one, I've got the first one for you. And, and it was like, when him and an ex-partner were splitting up, he said he tried to be somebody he wasn't. He tried to be who he thought she wanted him to be. And he said that they still ended up splitting up. It didn't make him happy, didn't make her happy. And, oh, and they still ended up splitting up. So he said, no matter what in life, Lee, just always be yourself. And so that was, that was the first lesson. And then I think back to the conversation that we just had there, Paul, about building connection and, and, and building relationships with people and who, who we are as individuals, then that's, the, that's the most important thing that we always need to be ourselves. A couple of weeks then passed, um, and I went to see him again. And he said, um, "He said one of our other friends rings him at twelve o'clock every single day. I come and, and visit him when I'm not uh, not working." And he said, um, "He said when we were growing up, we could have chosen different paths and different avenues, and, and but we didn't." And and he said, "If he did do, then the friends that he, he was he was more likely to have been friends with then." He said they wouldn't have visited him in hospital. They wouldn't have gone to the hospice with him. They wouldn't have tried to help him. He said. So he says, no matter what, just uh, just make good friends because you never know when you're going to need them. So that was the, that was the second one. And then just before, well, about two or three weeks before he passed, we had an opportunity to go watch the Foo Fighters at the Etihad Stadium in Manchester. Wow! Uh, he bought, uh, it was amazing, amazing. He bought tickets before he was before he was really really ill. Um, eight of us went. We we broke him out of the hospice and. Um, and we went to the hospice and there was two cars. There was um, him and his ex-partner and his two, two young boys. So they were 14 and 16 at the time in one car. And then four of us in another car. We had an amazing day. And on the way back from that, his youngest boy um, said, to, said to his mum, he said, is it, is it too late for me and my dad to go to, uh, to, go to, to Liverpool? So we all support Liverpool. Um, he said, is it too late for us to go to Anfield for, for a stadium tour? So I got a phone call that Thursday night uh, and I then arranged for us to go to Liverpool for a guided tour on the Sunday. And it was an amazing day. We had ice creams, we had discount in the shop, we had um, a private tour, we had as much time as we wanted. And in the car on the way home, Chris sat next to me. His two boys sat behind and, and my boy sat behind me. And um, he looked over at me and went, how many times could we have done this? I said, yeah, we could have done it a lot. He said, well, why did we wait till when... Um, when I was in a wheelchair and I had to be wheeled around, why did we, why did we not do it sooner when I could have sat on the seats that, that you sat on? So he said, the third lesson is time is limited. Mm-hmm. So he was sat on that bench outside the hospice with um, thinking about Chris's three lessons. I was going, always be myself, make good friends, time's limited. So he said them to me two and a half years ago, and I'm still getting to grips with what they mean to me. And he had his, his reasons for choosing those three lessons. But I genuinely believe that in the last two and a half years, 
before Chris passed, I thought I was all right at this improvement thing. Um, since Chris has passed, and he shared those three things, that I have tweaked my approach a little bit, and I'm trying to live and breathe these three things in everything I do. But I think whether it's whether it's change, whether it's sales, whether it's just living life, if we can always be ourselves, make good friends. So in fact, actually, always be ourselves. For me now, it means about understanding that your thoughts drive your behavior. And it comes back to that Socrates quote is, I can't teach anybody anything. I can only make them think. So if we as change professionals can make people think enough, then they are likely to, to make a positive change towards where, wherever to make their, their lives better. Um, so that's what always being yourself means for me. Uh, making good friends, whether that's connections, clients, customers, it's all about relationships. It's all about people. So just make good friends, whoever whoever they are. Um, and then the third one, um, one of my biggest frustrations is is people who say that they want to do get, do better, make something better, but they only want to start at the beginning of next month, or they only want to start at the beginning of next year, or whatever. Yeah, right, um, right. But but why wait if you really if your motivation is there, if you really wanted to make it better, then then time is limited. So, so act now. Um, so it's with those three lessons that in fact the the creating confident change leaders course i spoke about before there's five modules of that change starts with you understanding yourself creating allies and storytelling uh, influencing others and then um, acting now because time's limited but really those if, if you look at all of the lessons within those things these the, those things change starts with you and understanding yourself is always is all about always being you creating allies storytelling and um and influencing others is all about making good friends. And then the third one is time's limited to act, to act now. And so those three lessons that Chris shared with me are the foundations for everything I do, mm-hmm. uh, everything that, that I do within, within the business. And it's the foundation for a lot of a lot of that stuff because I think it's fundamentally, if, if I can help people just recognize and understand what those three things mean for them, then that's, that's success for me. Um, and that's why I want to have amazing conversations with people like yourself, Paul, because I think, as change professionals, as leaders, if we can just embrace those three lessons, understand what they mean to us, um, but then start to live them, then then the world will be a far better place. Right? Wow. It's, there's a lot there, Lee. And I give you and Chris, I mean, amazing amounts of credit to, to for him to have that perspective and be able to share that with you is amazing. Um, and, and, you know, as you, as you were talking, you know, obviously I'm thinking a lot of different things. I, I can't, I can't find, not that it's my job or I even should, but I can't find fault with any of that because it's, it's spot on. Right. Yeah. And, and so I'll pick on the last one first, right. We see it with clients sometimes or potential clients where it's, you know, they'll reach out and they'll say, you know, we want to do lean. It's a, you know, cause we have this problem or that problem. And, you know, same as you, I'll, I'll reach out every two, three, four weeks and I'll say, Hey, just checking in Well, the time, you know, it's not quite right. This just happened. That just happened. And we've had a few that it's like, you know, it gets to like six, eight, nine months and they're still like, yeah, it's just, I'm like, you know what? You're waiting for the right time. And that time's never going to come because as you said, right. As Chris said, time's limited. And I feel like it's a perspective thing, you know, like, uh, you and I are probably roughly the same age, mid forties. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Possibly. You, you might just be a touch older than me. So I'm, I'm oh. early to early to mid Paul. Early all right. To well, mid. All right. <laughs> um, right. So I, you know, but Chris was 39. Yes. Right. My mom yeah. was 52. So you don't know, you don't you assume, right? Cause like I'm an engineer, you know, so I'm a scientific thinker and I'm like, all right, well, average, uh, I'll probably make it to plus family history. Yada, but I can't, yeah, don't know. You don't know. So you got to make the most of it right now. And to your point, it's, you know, if you want to talk about the continuous improvement world, just do it right. Nike applies. Yep. Just you, if you want to do it, you got to start start now just do one little thing it doesn't have to be a big thing but start that's the hardest part it's like right losing weight quitting smoking right uh, all those types of things you have to one make that decision and then yeah. two do something about it completely completely and and if you're not doing something about it then your motivation or reason to do it is not big enough mm-hmm. um and it comes back down to what you were saying then paul is is that that that's why people wait three months six months nine months because 
the, the world that they're living in isn't bad enough for them to do something different. Um, and by recognising that everybody is different and every every organisation is different, every person is different, um, then a lot of it can't be forced because they've got to they've got to be thinking about it themselves um, to then actually want to do it if it's going to sustain mm. um, as well, which is why I then use those five whys to try to understand and articulate what is in it for that, that person or, or business. Um, yeah, and it, it's true, isn't it, that that change is really simple to say, but it's not easy to do because it's because because of all of these things, because of all of these things. But yeah, time is definitely limited, Paul. Yeah, and and to your point too that you just made, it has the want has to be there, you know. If you and I like how you broke it down into five things because what, I think it was Duran that said the language of management is money. Right. Yeah. So you got to put that right. And so I, and when we do workshops and stuff, I'll teach, I'll teach it, but I don't break it down as good as you have. You have to put things in the right context of who you're speaking with and speaking to, to, to gain that like investment. And it also helps them understand, you know, I call it we FM what's in it for me, like everybody else yeah. does. Right. But again, it's, it gets back to that what am I going to spend my time doing? Right. And I'll, I'll speak to value add, non-value add. And I like to draw the parallel between that. So I say, when you come into work, you know, you're there for eight hours or 10 hours, what do you spend your time doing? Is it value added or non-value added? And that value is different for different people, different levels of the organization, right? Different departments, what might be important to you isn't important to me. And we might be working right side by side, right? So you have to ferret all that stuff out because it's right. That's the part where you get to the sustainment piece, completely, right? And I'm sure you have, just like I have had clients that they want the end result. Yes. They don't want to do anything to get there. They just want it. Like, yeah. I pay you, you come in, you do all this stuff. And then we get that. And it's like, no, that's not how, <laughs> that's not how any of this works. Uh, you have to own this part. You know, I can come in and help teach, help coach. You know, I can get your folks excited about it. But if, if you're not a part of it, if you're not a, you're, a, you're like, you can't just come in in the beginning of the end of the Kaizen event and say, I, right. I approve of this message and just that it doesn't work that way. And we've had, clients unfortunately that didn't do it right and then they get mad at us you know yeah. we we're like well it didn't sustain i'm like well i haven't been there in six months what where yeah. were you you know completely completely and, and that's why when i was reflecting in march around this creating confident change leader, that's why module one is change starts with you and it's not just the person who needs to um change the like the production of something or the, the creation of something it's leaders as well it's everybody that needs to recognize how they how they need to change to make this thing whatever the thing is more successful um but yeah everybody everybody needs to change and they need to act people need to be accepting of that um but to be accepting of it they've got to think differently as well mm-hmm so have you ever had an instance where somebody's come back to you when you're teaching this course or right? Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, you know what, Lee, I, you know, like an epiphany or an aha moment, right? Where somebody says, you know, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. And then I got it. Yes. Yeah. Because um, so in fact, I say on, on one of the cohorts that I'm going through now, um, they were they were volunteered to come on this course because ah. it, it, their thoughts that or the the leader thought it would be a good thing for them them to come on this course and during this course they have um said that they need to change the way that they're an example um so one of the really small things that that i change in module three or we talk about in module three is how people communicate and everybody gets a lot of emails so on average, I think people get about a hundred emails a day. And just like social media, you, what you've got to your challenge with emails is to try to get your email to stand out, to stand out within, to 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 make somebody feel something, so they open it and then act on what you're saying. And if you've not got the connection with the with the per, with the recipient, then your email has got just as much chance as that the other ninety nine have been opened. Mm-hmm. But if you can create connection in the subject header, um, then that increases the likelihood of somebody of somebody and there was a lady on on, me, on my course that said 
she said um she said that I've been sending an email to the um, to the senior to the senior site person now for, for the last two months, and they don't seem to be reading it or they don't seem to be replying to me. And so they said, um, so "I said, how could you how could you overcome that? What could you do?" And they went, "Well, we could follow this impact model. So the, the impact impact is the model that I've, that I've got for this." And um, and they said, "I'm going to change the subject header." I said, "Okay. So what what kind of things are you going to put in the subject header?" He said, oh, I said, I said, how is how are them not responding to you, making you feel at the minute? And they went, well, well, they're making me stay awake at night. I said, have you ever told them that that not responding to you is is keeping you up at night because you're trying to get in the way? He said, no. So I said, what what could you what could you do, or how could you articulate this? He went, in my, I'm going to put in my subject header. I'm going to put, you are keeping me awake at night. Right. So they put that in the subject header. Within 20 minutes, within 20 minutes they'd got a response to the email that they'd sent. And so that's 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 a really small example from the question that you've asked. And I think, but we've got to really understand change at that level. It's not just about the whiteboard. It's not just about problem solving. It's about all of the habits and behaviors that underpin all of all of these things with, with how we are, uh, how we communicate, how we, how we build friends or build trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there are a few I've got a, a number of different examples of, of small things like that and I think what we've got to try to do is, is just build on all of these things together everybody searches for a silver bullet within um, within, within improvement and, and within change but there isn't a single silver bullet mm-hmm. because everybody is different Paul right and right I, and yep I, yeah what I, I put it in very American terms is uh, I call lean small ball which is a baseball term yeah um it's a lot of singles and doubles. And I say every once in a while, you'll hit a home run, but you can't count on that. You got to play the small ball game just like you, right? So, so in that scenario, if I'm her manager, I have no idea, right? And, and I get probably 200 emails a day. So I have no idea that my inactivity or my inaction or my indifference is causing that pain to somebody. Uh, yep. I have a very similar, actually, I have a, a similar story from my personal history. It's not unlike that one where I had a production manager who reported to me that came up to me one day because we had a, we had worked together for a while. We had a really good relationship. And he said, I got to tell you something. I hate it when you email me, period. And I said, well, but what, what, why? And he says, well, I would rather you just come and see me because you know, we, our offices like don't quite adjoin, but it was pretty close. Yeah. You know, he goes, plus it, it I want to see you, you know, and, and I want to, you know, have that interaction. And to me, I thought I was doing him a favor because, you know, I was at a plant manager. So I'm like, listen, I've got all these meetings. I've got people pulling at me for my time. So I thought I would do, I was doing him a favor because I would convey to him information that he needed in what I thought was a timely manner versus having to wait for me to get done with whatever else it was. Yeah. And to hit a totally, right. So where I thought I was doing a good thing, he interpreted it as a bad thing. And unless we had that relationship based on trust, I never would have known that. And, and, you know, worst case scenario, he comes into my office one day and says, I quit, right. Because you're driving me up a wall. And I, and, and I love that uh, story that you told because, like I use a lot of Gallup surveys in our workshops. And, and again, over here in the States, uh, three and a half million people quit their job every single month out of about 128 million people. And I use that in our courses. I, I always throw it out to the crowd and, and ask, what do you guys, you know, every month, how many people do you think quit? And that doesn't include retire or fire or whatever. And I usually people, you know, half a million, a million. And it's very eye-opening when I use, when I say the real number and- yeah. People are like, really? I mean, just think about that. That's every month. And if you assume no repeats, right? So what's that work out to be a year? About 40 million people a year. So about a third of the workforce. Do you think about the wow. waste that's associated with that? It's crazy. Yeah, no, that and is. That is. Um, it's Mayor Angelou, I think, and I'm going to butcher one of her quotes. No, I think she said something like, people will forget what you said. People forget what you've done but people will never forget how you make them feel and the only yep. true way you can understand how you've made somebody feel is by asking them and that's what people will never forget mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and isn't it sadly that we don't do that a lot 
Correct. You know, we just assume that business processes will just take care of it. It's like, I did my thing. I hand it to Lee and he does his thing. What does he do? I don't know. I never asked him. I never talked to him. We've literally done um, an event at a, uh, or work with a, a medical office. And I don't know if it's the same in the UK, but anytime you go to a new doctor over here, you get like, you get a clipboard with like five pieces of paper on it and you got to fill all the stuff out and 80, 90% of every page is the same exact thing. Yeah. So we're, we're working with this client. And um, so we're walking through this process. Well, the very next step in the process is these pieces of paper all get split up and, you know, one goes in your file, one goes in this other thing, blah, blah, blah. Well, one of these pieces of paper literally goes through a shredder. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hang on. Why did you just do that? And they're like, oh, well, that's the old form. We don't even use that. We just, we, we amended this other form that has all that same information on it. So we just get down to one. I said, yeah, but that, that like you're making all <sighs> your patients, AKA your customers fill this thing out. Cause I just, I just did it as pretending yeah. to go through the process. Did nobody told the, the front folks. And she's like, oh, didn't know that. I said, but but you get all these pieces of paper all the time. Why you never like said, Hey, just, and literally Lee, they're like 20 feet apart. You never just went, Hey, you don't have to do that. She's like, (laughs) Nope. I'm like, and back to your first lot, right. Uh, Communication. Right. It's just, right. It's completely, completely. But that's, that's another, when we think about stand up comics, and those three, those three things from stand-up comedians, connection, performance, and material, they're, they're just leading with the material, the process, the thing that they do, mm-hmm. not about joining the dots with the connection elements right. of it. Right, yeah. right. Completely, yeah. completely. So, Lee, I do like to take a uh, – I, I say it tongue-in-cheek because this isn't a formal thing, but I do <laughs> like to take a little break from the formal part of the podcast and play something I call the wicked fun part. Are you, uh, you up for that? Let's do, let's do it, Paul, yeah. All right, All right. so – uh let's see how about this one any advice for your previous boss oh that's an amazing that's that's a great question um so when you say previous boss so i would say any advice from a previous boss is everybody everybody is different and it's all right to have some um, um, square pegs, round holes. I think it's about understanding how that person is different and how they can benefit yourself. Because I am and I have been a square peg in in a, in a number of different shaped holes. Um, and it's only by setting up my own business and, and things am I allowed to to be myself fully so if you think about Chrissy's first lesson and always being yourself I've not always been able to be myself because um I've not been the the round peg round hole so I would just say to them um that actually it's it's all right to be different it's about understanding how that difference can help you make a difference that's how that's how I would answer that one Paul nice I love it um how about this one Seeing as we talked a little bit about stand-up comedy, what's the funniest thing that's happened to you recently? Oh, the funniest thing that's happened to me recently. Um, the funniest thing. So, I mean, apart from the um, the just the my five-year-old is just hysterical with the with the innocence of her comments and her remarks. Um, I mean, and there's I mean, I could write a book. On, on on her and her comments so th- those are just just naturally funny things um if i pick what's something that's funny to me that's happened to me i would have to say funniest thing that's happened to me it's not necessarily funny um which doesn't really answer the question but i think the funniest thing so i was recently featured in a newsletter um uh, chester elton's newsletter i was recently featured with with chris's story in it and how that came about was um he posted a picture on social media 
um, of some carrot socks. So he's he's an author and he's um and he's written a number of books and the carrot theory of being being the first one and he's got he's the carrot guy. And I, I just commented on his on his um on his post going, oh the carrot thing has just prompted my favourite joke that I use every single time when I um when I'm allowed to to stand up in, in front of groups of people. So I always say when I'm uh, on stage that. And I go, um, Paul, oh, to the audience, what's orange and sounds like a parrot? Do you know what's orange and sounds like a parrot, Paul? I think I know the answer. I don't want to spoil it, though. Yeah, I've kind of given it away in the, in the lead up. So, yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a parrot. A, what's orange and sounds like a parrot is a carrot. Sorry, I did it the wrong way around. I've said it that many times. I've got myself <laughs> confused now with, with, with Chester. So, yeah, so what's orange and sounds like a parrot is a carrot. And I, I, st- I stand on stage and I deliver that. And you get half of the room groaning and you get half of the room laughing. I like to think that half of the room laughs as well, um, and, I, and I wrote that on, on Chester's post, and and then from that, the he's then reached out. We've had a conversation, and I've been featured in, in a newsletter. So I never expected that when I shared when I shared that joke. So I think that ties back to the uh, just to the connection and just doing doing something differently, building connection and making good friends with people. You never know when when things when things could lead anywhere. Um, so it's not necessarily the funniest thing, but it's something that was unexpected mm-hmm. um, from from writing on, on somebody's uh, on, on somebody's post. Yeah, nice. So I go, I'll get I get one for you. This is a slight tangent, but so picture in your head you have a drawer full of socks. There's uh, let me make sure I get this one right. So there's 50 white ones and 50 black ones. How many socks do you have to pull out? of the drawer before you get a pair? Two. You could, but how about if you guarantee that you get a pair? Guarantee to get a pair. Um, 15. Three. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, what an idiot. No, it's what okay. An and and so I do this. So I use that one sometimes for the same exact. It's sort of like the carrot parrot thing a little mm. bit, not really, I guess. But uh, I've had that. I got that question, and I'm like, you know, I gotta, you know, in my head, I'm like, I gotta prove how smart I am and how sharp yeah. I am. I'm like 51, <laughs> and the guy's like, nope, three. And and I'm like, I'm thinking about it, and I'm, I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, I'm like, finally, I had to go back. I'm like, I. You got to help. I'm like, I'm sure you're right, but you got to help me. Cause in my head, I'm thinking you pick a white one, you pick a black one, black, black, yeah. black, 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 black. Oh, finally get yes. another white one. And he's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, he goes, but what about the third one? It's either black or white. So now you have yeah. a pair. And yeah, it, I love that. Right. It got me because I'm like, ah, I got stuck on. Yeah that first he's like well he goes really it's not about who cares if you get the right answer because it's all about how you react to the yes you know, I, I love change. that I'll, i'm yeah, gonna i'm a, gonna borrow that if that's all right paul oh of course i you know i yeah that's fine it wasn't i didn't come up with it so i have that yeah. <laughs> yeah fantastic and just to end the story i did get the job offer i didn't take it but so anyway. yeah because <laughs> i guess i don't know whatever you like the fact that i asked him about it later yeah what's your uh what are you working towards in your free time yeah, so I've got a very similar, um, apart from raising two amazing kids, um, because that's that's the number one job that I'm trying to do. So I, my purpose, I believe, in, in my life now, two and a half years ago, is kind of crystallized this, is I want to help Chris, his memory, and Chris stay with me. I want his memory to outlive me, ultimately, because if I can, if I can share those three things with as many people as possible. I believe he was t- taken far too soon. And and if I can help him live with me, through me, um, then then that's what I want to do. So what that's why I'm working to both professionally and, and personally. So I'm, I'm just currently writing my first book. Um, I'm also preparing a TEDx talk um, all around the these the, the Chris's three lessons um, and also... Um, becoming confident change leaders um yeah so there's a very there's a very like blurred line between me personally and me professionally because I'm so passionate about what I'm doing how I'm doing it and also the the message that I'm I'm trying to leave behind because I, I was thinking as well like 
the the best way for any of us to be remembered is through our our families and our if if they are they are similar and they have similar values and things but i would love to be able to influence my great 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 grandchildren in some way shape or form mm. um so that is what i'm working on um both well predominantly extra not in the business because that's client that's client facing work um but yeah that's what i'm working on nice so those are some hefty goals hat tip to you lee yeah yeah ma- massive massive but I feel like it comes down to that. Um, I think what we said about it before time being limited, isn't it? So mm. I don't, I don't want Chris's three lessons to to not have the biggest stage that they could possibly have. I, I, we all go through life learning different things, and I believe I've had the r- most random journey to get to where I, I am. So I used to be a DJ. Um, I used to, I've, I've authored. Um, when you say authored, I've written five children's book and self-published them on Amazon. I've been an internet marketer, but all, all as like a side hustle. Uh, whilst I've been, I've been learning about change, and I think I've had the most random journey to get to this place I am in. To, I'm, I'm in today, Paul, and and I think I've learned along the way. But how do I pass these learnings on to other people in a way that makes them think enough to 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 do something different? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's the reason why because. I think it's important that people can learn from us or else why else are we here? Right. Right. Bit deep, guys, isn't there. it? Bit deep. Yeah, it very. Yeah. <laughs> it's rare for this, for the show. <laughs> yeah. Apologies. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm no, gonna... no. It's, I love it. I mean, that's, you know, the best, the best shows are, um, you know, when, when people listen and they'll, you know, shoot me a text or a LinkedIn message or something and say, Hey, you know, that episode, that really spoke to me. I really liked this part. And that's what, cause that's really what I'm going for. Yeah. You know, it's just get people to think about it. I mean, I'm not going to get on here and talk with folks about five S I mean, ugh, you know, you can get on YouTube and what, you know what I mean? That's number yeah. one, a it's boring. Well, I shouldn't say it's boring. It's important, but we're not going to talk about it for an hour. You know, yeah. I want people to, to, to come away from this show with thought provoking ideas yeah. And things that, that make them think maybe a little bit differently, you know, as lean practitioners, I think that's the point where it's, it's a little bit about the struggle, right? If this yes. was easy, right? I, classically, anybody would do it. So I, I'm right there with you. I'll have to, you know, you make it, you're, you're making me think too, which I, I certainly obviously appreciate. Oh, that's good. Good. No, thank you for that. Thank you for that, and, and thank you again for just the, the opportunity and the platform to be able to speak with you, Paul. It's uh, it's good. I'm I'm, I'm glad we've been able to to do this. Yeah, for sure. So in the in the few minutes that we have left, um, I just want to throw it over to you. Is there anything that uh, you know, we didn't get a chance to chat about that you wanted a point you wanted to make or a topic you wanted to bring up? So I would just say the the only the only thing I would I want to say is is those three lessons that Chris shared, the always be yourself, make good friends and time's limited. He had his reasons why they were important to him when he was reflecting on his 39 years of life. For the last two and a half years, coming up to three years now, I've been trying to understand what they mean to me. And and I'm getting really close to that about how I can be myself more, how I can um, make better friends and, and connections and also act a little bit quicker than, than I had done. And I think what I think the importance of those three things are, are not Chris's three reasons, not my, sorry, not Chris's reasons for those three lessons, not my reasons for those three lessons, but what they mean to you as an individual. So how can you um, better always be yourself? Because I've got, ta- got a couple of tattoos and this one on my, on my wrist is, is, this is rubbish for audio listeners, by the way, but there's a, there's a gap um, of two inches uh, below my, below my wrist before the uh, the things before the tattoo starts because when I got it I was conscious about what people would think of me with tattoos if I had a shirt and I went into a client site mm-hmm. um what would they think of him and now I don't care about mm-hmm. about that so that's that that is really is a journey about that that I've been on to about always being myself so I think the one thing I would just say is what does always being yourself mean to you paul and to to your listeners what does making good friends connections clients customers mean and how effective and efficient are you in in that do you send a message and then not contact them again Mm -hmm. um or or not 
And then time being limited are the things that you've been putting off that are really important to you um, that you could actually move a, a step closer to today or break it down a little bit and, and move a step closer to. So yes, the Chris's three lessons, um, but I'd love them to be everybody's three lessons if they truly understood what they mean to themselves. And I think that's the, the importance and the, and the beauty of, of what Chris has, has shared with me. Agreed, 100%. So I look forward to your, I hope, I, so I guess you and I have to race now because I'm writing my first book too. Oh, are you? How's it going? Uh, slow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I co-authored one years ago, but that was essentially just one chapter and there was eight or 10 of us that uh, wrote a chapter each. So that's how we came up yeah. with the book. This one's just going to be just me and it's it's a daunting, intimidating task, but What's the, what's the subject? What, what what are you hoping to uh, to achieve from it? It's uh well, it's going to be you know about lean leadership. So I'm going to put uh, so I'm I grew up in Maine, and uh, so I'm going to put kind of a, a Mainer spin on yeah. on it. So I want it to be not unlike a conversation. I want it to be thought provoking, and fun, and entertaining. You know, I want you know, I want people to get something out of it, but also in, enjoy it at the same time. Yeah, and not to put you on the spot, when are you hoping to have the first draft written? Ah, that's a great question. I don't, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't assigned myself a timeline, um, and I've waffled on it to be honest with you, because the engineer side of me says you absolutely have to because that's a, it's a deadline thing. Yeah. But the other side, the creative side of me says oh, I don't necessarily want to do that because. Uh, you know, I yeah. want it to flow and I want it to feel good because I think that comes through. Some of my best blog posts and videos come when I feel that urge to, to say something versus yeah. when I've written articles for a magazine or something where it's, I have a due date, so I have to come up with something and it's yeah. okay, but it doesn't have the emotion behind it. So I, I, I'm struggling there a little bit. So just, just on that point there, Paul, I think, I think that is the, when, when, um, uh, people introduce change in organizations sometimes they'll go every Wednesday we're going to have a problem solving um, event or every and, and we're going to have that recurring all of the times and then after a couple of weeks or a couple of months people are turning up to the session and they've not got anything to solve and they're thinking on the spot they're because of that that the same the same thing about your, you and your book writing process because it's forced um, so I guess how my my final question to you, and you don't have to answer this now, is is how can you prompt yourself um, so it's not forced in that way, so that you're moving towards your goal, um, but in a not in a forced way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've that's a good question, Lee. I'll try to answer because I think it deserves an answer. Honestly, one thing I've thought about is just sort of I don't even want to call it a sabbatical. Um, but like uh, Jamie Flinchbaugh, I don't know if you know him. He wrote um, Hitchhiker's Guide to oh, Lean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, way back when. He's working on a, another book. Um, and he, I think, because uh, I've seen him tweet and LinkedIn message about this. Uh, I think he actually did that. Where I think he, I want to say he rented like a cabin or something. And he went away for a month or two. And just. You know, and I'm like, you know what? That's really not a bad idea because you 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 take away all the other stuff, yeah, right. And and I can see where if I gave myself all of that time in a just a big bucket, and say when inspiration hits, you're right, and when it doesn't, you don't, and you don't have to switch over to do something else because knowing me you can't see it but i have a notebook over here where it's my to-do list and it's like four yeah. pages long there's a whiteboard right over here with another <laughs> list right so that's me i'm constantly like that's just my personality i'm i'm all over the place um and i can see where per our previous discussion you know we're going to be sitting here three six months from now and i'm going to have all the same excuses yeah. Well, I couldn't because I was busy in the set, right? So shame on me, right? Yeah, yeah. No, but good. Seriously, though, good luck with it. Um, and and I'd, I'd love so I'd love to keep in contact with you about your process and my process, and, and maybe we can find some way to keep each other accountable for that going forward. Deal. Perfect. Let's Sounds do it. Great. 
All right, Lee, I will let you go, sir. Thank you again so much for, for coming on and sharing Chris's story. It was very meaningful. Uh, I know everybody's going to get a lot from it. So thank you for sharing. No, thanks, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure to, uh, to, to have a chat with you. Thank you. All right, sir. Take it easy. Hey, everybody, it's Paul. Before I let you go, I just wanted to say thanks again for listening. Um, you've really made doing this podcast a very rewarding experience for me. Uh, I get a lot of messages from, from listeners. and uh, you know Everyone has something nice to say, which I very much appreciate. Uh, of course, I'm always open to you know, uh, feedback on ways we can make it better. I mean, that's Kaizen, after all. And by no stretch do I claim to have got this all figured out. So if there's things that I could do better, please, by all means, uh, feel free to reach out and let me know. And likewise, if there's a, somebody that you think would be a great guest, um, also let me know. You know, there's a chance I don't know who those, who those folks are. Um, so somebody that you can help put us in touch with, you know, somebody you want to learn more about, certainly let me know and I'll reach out uh, to those folks. But um, I hope you find the podcast fun and entertaining, uh, uh, educational, and, and maybe even a little inspirational, I hope. Um, that's really what I'm, I'm going after with this whole thing. So thanks again. And uh, one small ask. Uh, if you don't mind, if you listen, you know, whatever your preferred platform is, if you could just, you know, subscribe, uh, give us five stars on Apple or, or whatever, again, whatever platform you listen to, it just, it, it helps, um, you know, the algorithms like it. So if you could do that for me, I would greatly appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks, everybody.